You're listening to Rock of Ages, where I introduce my theater kid friends to my favorite classic rock albums. And when we look at a concert album or a rock opera, they introduce me to their favorite musicals. Hey everyone, today we're talking about the second self-titled album by Fleetwood Mac. With me I have Riley. Hi. And Romy. Hey! Uh, Fleetwood Mac is, as I said, the band's second eponymous album and their tenth studio album overall. It was released on July 11th, 1975 under Reprise Records. It was produced by Fleetwood Mac and Keith Olsen, and the genres are soft rock and pop. And I'm going to read the all-music review from Stephen Thomas Erwine. It's unfair to say that Fleetwood Mac had no pop pretensions prior to the addition of Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks to their lineup in 1975. When they were led by Bob Welch, they often forwarded with pop, even recording the first version of the unabashedly smooth and sappy Sentimental Lady, which would later be one of the defining soft rock hits of the late 70s. Still, there's no denying that 1975's Fleetwood Mac represents not just the rebirth of the band, but in effect, a second debut for the group. The introduction of a band that would dominate the sound of American and British mainstream pop for the next seven years. In fact, in retrospect, it's rather stunning how thoroughly Buckingham and Nix, who had previously recorded as a duo and were romantically entangled in the past, overtook this British blues band. As soon as the Californian duo came on board, Fleetwood Mac turned into a West Coast pop rock band, transforming the very identity of the band and pushing the band's other songwriter, keyboardist Christine McVie, to a kindred soft rock sound. It could have been too mellow if it weren't for the nervy, restless spirit of Buckingham, whose insistent opener, Monday Morning, sets the tone for the rest of the album, as well as the next few years of the group's career. Surging with a pushly melodic chorus and a breezy Californian feel, the song has little to do with anything the Mac had done before this, and is a positively brilliant slice of pop songwriting, simultaneously urgent and timeless. After that barnstorming opener, Buckingham lies back a bit, contributing only two other songs, a cover of Richard Curtis's Blue letter and the second best up-tempo song here, I'm So Afraid, while the rest of the album is given over to the wily spirits of Nick McVie, whose singles Rhiannon, Say You Love Me, and Over My Head deservedly made this into a blockbuster. But a band member's contribution can never be reduced to his own tracks, and Buckingham not only gives the production depth, he motivates the rest of the band, particularly Nick and McVie, to do great work. Not just on the hit singles, but the album tracks that give his record depth. It was diverse without being forced, percolating with innovative ideas all filtered through an accessible yet sophisticated sensibility. While Rumors had more hits and Tusk was an inspired work of mad genius, Fleetwood Mac wrote the blueprint for Californian soft rock of the late 70s and was the standard the rest were judged by. Alright, what do we think of Fleetwood Mac? Fleetwood Mac. Good. Good. Mm -hmm. It's good. Also what? Also, like the event name, Macwood Fleet. Yeah, I I had to really. It was too good of an opportunity just to pass by. 
Imagine yeah. if that was actually what the band was called, though. Macwood Fleet. Rumors by Flackwood... Macwood Fleet. <laughs> Flackwood Meat. <laughs> Macwood <What>? Feet. <laughs> Happy Feet. <laughs> Happy Feet 2. Happy yeah. Feet 3. If you told me to shoot me or something... I, I don't remember the whole quote. Um, <laughs> if you told me to make a script for Happy Feet 3, I'd say shoot me. <laughs> that's not a direct quote but it was like kind of said by george miller the director of the first two happy feet uh, but anyway uh fun album i really i i dig this album i don't prefer it to rumors of obviously not because rumors is like a pop masterpiece but but this is nice does anyone have any uh, standouts here or was this just uh, another chore um i like several of the songs i mean i enjoy landslide i mean uh, obviously it's landslide i think i dug the stevie nicks songs the most out of any of the other songs on here and the only two nicks songs that she sings on here are rhiannon and landslide Speaking of Rhiannon, I, I could not stop listening to that song the whole week. It's it's just a very good song. Mm, I, I like this one covered by Best Coast of Rhiannon. Hmm. I will probably not check that out because I don't listen to indie bands. Ah, mm. uh, you do you. Yeah. But, uh... I feel like adding Stevie Nicks and uh, Lindsey Buckingham was probably the best decision this band could have ever made. Even though... I know some people will like probably like to call this like the calm before the storm that is rumors, but that's a bit of an oxymoronic statement considering I do not think that any of this period of Fleetwood Mac was calm. Yeah, um, I mean, I wait till we get to Tusk on this podcast and I'll just be like, be plugging winning time. Um, um... Romy, I love you, but that, that implies that I'm going to add Tusk to the wheel. Yeah. I, I... <laughs> I mean, I'm, I wouldn't deny Tusk's quality as an album, but let's be honest with ourselves. I, I keep saying that phrase more often now. I don't know why. But Rumors is like the only Fleetwood Mac album people have ever or will ever hear of. And I, I don't know why. I mean, I could add Tusk or hell, even the, the albums they did with Bob Welch in the early 70s. But there wouldn't really be any point considering that no one has ever heard of them. And if I'm being honest, the only reason I added the uh, the self-titled album to this week is because uh, Christine McVie sadly passed away, and I wanted to honor her. And uh, speaking of her, I think she has some great songs on this album. Uh, we just listened to Warm Ways, and that that's a really nice soul song. And, and then Side 2 opens up with Say You Love Me, which is an absolute banger. And, uh... I was half expecting you to add the one that Songbird was on, which was like rumors. Probably oh, oh, I forgot. Oh, I just kind of. Of course, I mind. added rumors to the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I forgot. <laughs> rumors, let's go. Yeah. Let's go. You want to know something that uh, this album and Rumors have in common? What? They both have Christine McVie songs that feature the word <laughs> "daddy" in the title. Uh, I was just thinking, um, like, the French word for cotton candy is Barba Papa, which translates to Daddy's Beard. And that can be just kind of warped into, like, a sexual kind of, like, some sort of innuendo. Oh, man. Well, since, yeah, Christ change. since Christina's gone now, I think it's up to me to do that. <laughs> and she can't stop you! She, that's, I mean, she could, I mean, she, see, she is in heaven now, she could throw a lightning bolt down on me and strike me before I decide to write the lyrics. Don't, don't tempt it! Don't tempt me! 
But it's so fun to tempt fate. I mean, you saw what happened on my podcast, watch this, when we were watching Beauty and the Beast, and we were talking about Angela Lansbury, and then she died the next day. Oh, yeah. That, I don't, that, that's not one of my favorite moments. Yeah. Yeah, that was not good timing. Yeah. But I'm still glad we did to get to talk about Angela Lansbury, though, and how she was awesome. Yeah, she's she's amazing. I didn't even realize this until, like, shortly after I saw Glass Onion, but she appears, like, towards the beginning of that movie. And, like, uh, I won't say too much, but there is a Zoom chat with her, Sondheim, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Natasha Leon. You just spoiled the entire movie for me. No, uh, (laughs) but but Glass Onion is so good. Oh, don't worry. I'm definitely going to watch it. Yeah. Anyway, um, I, I honestly, I like Sugar Daddy better than I do Oh Daddy. That's all I can say about Sugar Daddy. Monday morning you showed up fine. Friday I got traveling on my mind. First you love me, then you fade away. I can't go on believing this way. I got nothing but love. talked about how it was oxymoronic to say that this album is the calm before the storm before rumors and that might be because the review mentions that lindsey buckingham he was he was gonna take a stand he was gonna be the the white horse to lead the band out of the darkness and bring them into a new golden age but he had to do things his way he had to let the band put stevie in the band and he had to have all the other members do what they want and it got so frustrating for everyone that uh the bassist who has always been in the band since like the beginning john mcvee who is also christine's husband at the time he one day he just marched up to Lindsay and said the band you're in is fleetwood mac i'm the mac I'm the bassist. Mm. Which honestly, weird flex. Like, who wants to know that you're a bassist? <laughs> at least you're not, at least it's not a drummer. <laughs> yeah, at least you're not Mick Fleetwood. Weird flex, but okay. Yeah. Oh, I should also mention, um, Fleetwood Mac is named after the original members, uh, Mick Fleetwood and uh, John McVie on drums and bass respectively. Damn, they could have made the first drum and bass album in 1968 if they didn't get any other members. And guess what? They're on the album cover for this album. Uh, Mick Fleetwood is the really tall guy, while John McVie is the dwarf. I think it, I think it's pretty nice. They're messing with the proportion. It's kind of like an early version of Photoshop. Also, uh, Romy, I know you like this, but uh, Mick Fleetwood was actually one of the original inspirations for Animal. Yeah. Or Keith Moon. Yeah, uh, Fleetwood, Moon, Bonham, I can definitely see that. And I think it might just be an appearance because I don't think Mick Fleetwood has done anything deserving to be Animal's inspiration aside from looking kind of like him. Mm. I think I mentioned this in the the Muppet movie episode of Watch This, but um, Janice from The Electric Mayhem, everyone says she was named after Janice Joplin, but um, she was actually named after uh, Jerry Nelson's sister, Janice. 
Oh my god, Jerry Nelson is related to Janis Joplin. <laughs> yeah. Am I wrong in saying that uh, Stevie Nicks is kind of like the Taylor Swift of the 1970s and early 80s? Mm. I mean, they're both girl bosses. They're they're both blonde and they're they're both cute. That's kind of where the yeah. similarities end. But another thing I want to disagree with about the review is that uh, I honestly think that Lindsey Buckingham is the weakest part of this album. I mean, sure, he brings a certain nerve to the album and the band itself, but if we're being honest with ourselves, uh, I hate using that term. I, I don't know why I keep using it, but Lindsey Buckingham is probably my least favorite member of Fleetwood Mac, and that's just because he just he doesn't look like a good boyfriend for Stevie Nicks. I don't think he should be anywhere near her. I mean, look at him. <laughs> I, especially when we get to rumors. He, he, he looks like a junkie. Yeah. You stay away from Stevie, Lindsey. You're too pure for her. I mean, she's too pure for you. The only pure thing about you is your meth that you take. Yeah, I probably got it from Walter White. <laughs> now, that that was that was a low blow. Lindsey Buckingham does not do meth. It's obviously cocaine. Cocaine. The cocaine that John C. Riley sprinkles from his fingertips <laughs> in Oh Night Divine. Uh. <laughs> what is that? Exactly. Uh, but yeah, Lindsey Buckingham really did have a, a massive cocaine addiction. So much so that it's rumored that when making rumors, if you lined up all the cocaine he brought to the sessions, it would just like wrap around the entire studio. <laughs> That's certainly one of the rumors of that rumors album. Please boo. Boo her. Boo! I'm sorry, you guys! No, don't be. I liked that pun. But then again, I like most puns. But anyway, um, I will admit that I, I do like uh, his songs Monday Morning and uh, I'm So Afraid. They give a nice rocking feel to the album. I'm, I I can't say the same for Blue Letter, though. It, it feels like it's being obligated to rock. And it's a cover. And it's not like, oh, we're going to cover a song from the 1950s. No, they're covering a song that their friend made about them. Like, Lindsey Buckingham sees his friends. They, they're writing a song about, like, how Lindsey and Stevie's relationship isn't going to last. And Lindsey's like, hell yeah, guys, thanks for the song. Yeah. But anyway, um, I, I kind of thought it was funny in World Turning that a minute and 40 seconds in, Lindsey just goes, yeah. I don't, yeah. I, I don't know why it's funny. He just goes, yeah. 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 He goes, yeah. Like that thing Ariana Grande does on her song sometimes, like, yeah. 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 Uh. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. anyway, do you want to know Fleetwood Mac's uh, album charts for their previous albums before this album? Sure. Um, they're practically non existent. I'm, I'm gonna start. Oh, no. I'm gonna start off with 1971's Future Games because that's the first Fleetwood Mac album with Christine McVie as an official member. It peaked at 91 on the U.S. Billboard 200. Bear Trees peaked to number 70 in the U.S. and number 37 in Australia. The next album, Penguin, reached number 49 on the U.S. Billboard, so they're they're slowly coming up. Uh, Mystery to Me, which has a weird photo of a baboon as an album cover. It got up to number 67 on the U.S., but number 82 in Canada. And Heroes Are Hard to Find reached number 34 in the U.S., but number 46 in Canada. Do you want to know which uh, country is absent from all of what I just said? What? Their own native land of Britannia. 
but that Aww. that all changed with this album when they reached uh, number 23 on the UK albums and number one on the US Billboard 200. So oh. so they did it. They they finally charted in their homeland. Yay! Yeah, they upped their game. Yeah, they they just said, you know what? If cocaine addicts are gonna give us a number one spot, we're gonna take it. <laughs> Of course, that that pales in comparison to rumors, which went number one like almost everywhere. Yeah, uh, and uh, it's in the national recording registry and everything. Yeah. Yeah, I am uh, so excited to get the rumors. Um, I'm I'm yeah. glad it's. I mean, it's it's an amazing album. I love rumors. Yeah. Anyway, um, but this album, it was good enough for Chris Gow to say A minus. Yo, <laughs> what did he get? Um. He said that Rumors was good enough for an A. Oh. This might be the beginning of his redemption arc. He might destroy his redemption arc in the next episode, though. You never know. Uh, it's what he does. So, maybe. let's see if there's any other cool tidbits I can talk about with this album. So, the, the band, they retreated to California a, an album before this one. Just to see, like... This Yacht Rock thing is getting popular. Let's see if we can do that with their current frontman, Bob Welch. Uh, they did do it, but uh, I don't think it was good enough to put on the wheel. Because no one's ever heard of the album Heroes Are Hard to Find. And anyway, uh, at, after finishing the album and its respective tour, Bob Welch left the band, ending Fleetwood Mac's uh, blank lineup at eight years. Guess then which number lineup it was. Which lineup? Was it their second lineup? Their third lineup? I don't know. It was their ninth lineup. <laughs> so yeah, they they went through a lot of changes before saying, hey, let's stick with Lindsay and Stevie. They they know what's up. Oh, hell yeah. One of the best songs just came on. Yeah, no, I'm, I, I, have, I have the song facts page for it. Uh, of uh, When they reunited for the dance tour in 97, they played the intro on a five-string banjo to give it like a bluegrass feel. Was that Lindsay talking or the cocaine? Um, who knows? <laughs> I guess we'll never know. Anyway, um, Lindsay Buckingham was finally fired from Fleetwood Mac in 2018. It took Stevie that long to say, Hey, I don't need to be around that man anymore. He served his purpose. I'm sorry. I I, I hope I'm not making uh, Lindsey Buckingham out as like some sort of devil. He's not. He's just not my favorite part of the band. Yeah. And uh, for Rhiannon, there was like a um, surge in people naming their daughters Rhiannon. Like 1977 was the most popular year. It was like number 418 of most popular girls' names, uh, including the singer Rhiannon Giddens. And mm. then, in 1999, it ranked uh, 423 for when Fleetwood Mac reformed. Uh, um, just three positions short of the epic 420 number. <laughs> and it means Night Queen or Great Queen. Hmm. Uh, it's, I'm reading, when Nyx performed this song live, she often introduced it by saying, this is a song about an old Welsh witch. Mm. So... Maybe we've been missing the context this whole time. We should, next time we listen to the song, we should think about it being about an old Welsh witch. Isn't that a tongue twister? Old Welsh witch. Old Welsh witch. <laughs> Sorry. Old Welsh witch. I, I already talk about the I'm the Mac story, which... Honestly, if, if they'd made a Fleetwood Mac biopic, I really want to see that scene. Like, just John McVie going up to Lindsay Buckingham and going, 
the Benjamin is Fleetwood Mac. I'm the Mac. But it's like, I don't think Lindsay and John's uh, height difference is that much, but I think for, like, dramatic purposes, John McVeigh should just be a very short man when standing up to this evil Lindsay Buckingham character. Oh, um, I was actually reading up on The Blacklist, which is um, an annual, like, list of the best-liked unproduced screenplays of the year, and uh, one of the ones from, like, I don't. I forget what year it was, but it was like a Fleetwood Mac biopic called Rumors. I'm surprised that hasn't been made already. I've been hearing rumors that it's kind of in production. Hang on, hang on, everyone. I need I need silence real quick. I need complete silence. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Riley. Yep. Riley can booed surname. <laughs> Our queen of booing. The queen of the nation of canned boos. Canned booing is my sense of humor. Riley at a grocery store being like, canned boos, the best thing since sliced boos. <laughs> yes. Okay, when, like, if we ever meet up, you have to send me some canned bread. <laughs> One thing uh, I want to talk about before we talk about our ratings is that uh, for a little while, Fleetwood Mac had a mascot. Do you know what this mascot was? What? It was a penguin. <gasps> penguin. What was its name? I don't know. I I have I have no idea what the penguin's name was. I just think that John McVie, the bassist, really liked penguins, and so uh, he should have named it um, Mumbles or um or Cody. Surfs up. He should have. Yeah. And- Anyway, I I looked it up, and apparently Fleetwood Mac have used the penguin as their main mascot ever since 1971's Future Games, which, uh, appropriately enough, is the first Fleetwood Mac album to feature John's then-wife, Christine McVie. And they've they've used it on almost every album since. Um, Hold on. I'm I'm collecting uh, images of Fleetwood Mac and penguins. Okay, so, um, there's this, uh, I was looking at this one store, this thing, it was like, um, I remember seeing this when I was younger, but uh, it was this video that School of Rock released. So when School of Rock was on Broadway, there was like one day where they did like a surprise thing at the end of the curtain call and they brought out Stevie Nicks and they performed a song like during the curtain call. That's that's awesome. I just linked it in the group chat. That actually does make sense though, because uh, isn't like in the original School of Rock movie, uh, Jack Black's love interest is whenever she gets drunk and listening to Stevie Nicks's Edge of Seventeen, she goes crazy. Ah, yeah, it's been ages since I've seen like any part of School of Rock the movie. Yeah, School of Rock is such a good movie. Yeah, I'd love to get to it on Watch This. Is it on? Is it on the wheel? Um, probably not, but I can add it. Yeah, but I need to, I need to watch that movie again. It was like my favorite movie when I was like six years old. I watched it all the time. Hmm. All right, I'm almost done collecting images of penguins on Fleetwood Mac albums. This is what my life has turned into, guys. I hope you're, uh, I hope you're as excited as I am. 
Alright, I'm ready. So, starting off with the 1971's Future Games, where on the back cover, there's a penguin with the other band members. <gasps> it's oh. just a penguin! He's just right, right there! 1972's Bear Trees does not have any penguins, though. But they, they, they realized that, and they decided to name their next studio album literally Penguin. <laughs> uh, and uh, the back cover for their other 1973 album, Mystery to Me, there's a penguin just vibing. It's just there. I, don't, I didn't see any penguins on Heroes Are Hard to Find, however, so maybe that's why the album isn't as recognizable. But the lyric sheet for this album, Fleetwood Mac, it has penguins all over. Uh, 1977's Rumors. There's a couple penguins in the uh, lower right, maybe whis whispering something to one another. Maybe they're whispering rumors. Anyway, uh, 1979's Tusk. I don't. I do not see any penguins on there. Not even on the giant collage that's in, in like in one of the record uh, sheets. But that just might be because the collage is such a cluster frick of a collage that I couldn't see anything. But anyway, 1982's Mirage. It features this weird postmodernist penguin. I don't know why, but what do you, what do you think they were trying to say with that postmodernist penguin? Oh, it looks French. He looks French. I know. <laughs> Sadly, though, this would be the last Fleetwood Mac album to feature a penguin. Okay, but that rumors pun was funny. That yeah. was really funny. Thank you. I mean, I would have expected a penguin in 1987's Tango in the Night because that was their big comeback. They were gonna show a penguin in a new suit. Maybe on, like, the lyric sheet or maybe on the, the disc. But no. Instead, for they just show this picture of the Fleetwood Mac members probably dozed out or something and you can clearly see someone's foot. It might be Lindsey Buckingham's. Yeah, but like probably like Tarantino or like whoever had the idea to have feet in the Little Mermaid. Yeah, I just Hans watched Christian it. Anderson because that was his oh. story. <laughs> Hans Christian Anderson. <laughs> oh yeah, I I rewatched that movie for the first time in a long time in honor of it being inducted into the National Film Registry this week. And uh, I I have to say, being an adult is realizing that every character in this movie has a foot fetish. <laughs> I will say, though, the animators did look like they were having fun on a few shots. <laughs> and that's that's all we can say about that for now. Anyway, uh, let's go around the room. Uh, Romy, you start us off. Um, 7.5 is my um, score. Mm. It's not rumors, but it's good nonetheless. It's good Fleetwood Mac Indeed. for a good Blackwood yeah. meat. Yeah. Would you like this album any better if one of the pictures on this album was just a close-up shot of Lindsey Buckingham's feet? No! <laughs> no! 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 <laughs> and, okay, real, real, for real question, would you recommend this to a theater kid? Maybe. Yeah, it, I mean, it depends on, like, the, the singles, you know? Yeah. Okay, uh, Riley, you're, what about you? I'll give it an 8. Alright. I like it. It Just like what Romy said, it's not rumors, but it's still good. Yeah, exactly. It's still good. Yep. Classic Meatwood Flack. Ah, yes. My, my favorite band ever. Um... The closest average I can give my rating is uh, 8.25, which is 8 and a quarter, and I think that works out. I, I, I really like this. It's a really nice pop record. It's got all the deserved hits, and uh, when I feel like it, I'll put it on. I would recommend it to a theater kid. 
even though it's not rumors. Uh, Monday morning's nice. Uh, of course, Rhiannon and Landslide are like, I wouldn't exactly call them transcendent, but they are really, really good and ahead of their time. So, yeah. One thing's for sure, we will never forget who the bassist of Whitwood Mac is now. And I already forgot who it is. <laughs> F. <laughs> anyway, um, this was our second to last episode of the year. And our 97th episode overall, which means we are three more episodes to episode 100. Woo! Holy yeah! crap, Lois. Yo! Yeah! And I feel like um, I want to close this year off nice and tidy. And you know, Christmas is coming up. Yeah? And... <laughs> I wanted to do an album that one particular member of our podcast would like. Uh, Oh my god, I think I know what this is! No. (laughs) So the next album we'll be looking at, our final episode of the year, and our second overall thing on this podcast having to do with Christmas, is John Denver and the Muppets A Christmas Together. Let's go! (laughs) (laughs) Alright, thank you. To my love, took it down. I climbed a mountain and I turned around, and I saw my reflection in snow-covered hills till the landslide brought me down. Oh, mirror in the sky, what is love? Can the child? In my heart rise above Can I sail through the changing